you gonna do better run for shelter because it's all about the you hey welcome back to another installment of the wide ride podcast i'm manny navarro memory hurricanes beat writer for the athletic carlos ledo of the mia all day podcast is back with me it's wednesday september 27th right around 12 30 p.m right after lunchtime carlos the canes are 4-0 they're ranked 18th in the Associated Press poll entering the bye week this week. Got a 41-7 win over Temple last Saturday where they absolutely uh, dominated them at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Miami ran for over 300 yards. I think they held Temple to like two yards rushing. Uh, it was exactly what you wanted to see if you were a Hurricanes fan. They went out and they dominated an inferior opponent. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the ACC because obviously Miami's done with their non-conference schedule. And now it's a race to see who can be the two top teams at the end of the season and get to Charlotte to play for the conference championship game. I want to discuss who some of the other teams are that are undefeated. There's six ACC teams undefeated right now, 4-0 after four weeks. Uh, some of them already have some conference wins under their belt, including obviously the Florida State Seminoles who beat Clemson in a big game in overtime this past weekend, a game that I watched from beginning to end. It's part of my responsibilities for the athletic. Um, I want to get into the, uh, some freshman uh, snap count numbers. I know that a lot was uh, made this week about, uh, you know, how Miami's had freshmen play more snaps than anybody else uh, in the country. I didn't look at, you know, sort of make sure that those numbers are all accurate. I didn't go through the entire uh, country to check every single team and see how many freshmen played. But I know as far as the ACC concerned, that is accurate. Miami has played, uh, in terms of snap counts, uh, freshmen more than anybody else in the league, including Clemson, including Florida State. Uh, so we'll talk about that some, and then we'll get to your mailback questions. But, Carlos, let's start with Temple. I don't know if you ended up getting a chance to 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 watch the game on film or if it was just highlights for you. Um, but what was your biggest takeaway from that game? Is there anything that stood out? Well, first and foremost, before we even get into that, let's get into the the important stuff. You are sporting some very impressive gear right now. That's correct. And it is, and it is thanks to your pickleball prowess, along with your uh, journalistic achievements, that have garnered this gear for you. And why don't you shout out your uh, your your supplier of the gear before we get into anything? Yeah, we can talk about Candela. Uh, they are a local pickleball company that uh, sent me this shirt. Actually, this Passion uh, Passion shirt. And uh, the hat, as you can see, I'm wearing uh, free gear uh, to talk about their products a little bit. Uh, they sponsored a couple of friends of mine who played in a tournament a couple of weekends ago. They won. Uh, the guys were all excited. They just wanted me to to uh, to put out a word on their product. So if you want to uh, purchase some of their gear and you play pickleball, uh, just go to CandelaPickleball.com and you can use my code wide right 10 and get 10 percent off so there you go there's there's the plug uh Carlos. there's the plug now now much like the athletic subscription that i continue to play pay full price for and everybody else gets for a dollar uh candela pickleball has not sent me neither a pickle nor a ball so uh, <laughs> well we got to get you out there we're going to see if we get you out there at some point you don't, play. you don't want me you don't want me i'm going to look like a hobbled bantha in uh in star wars i just i'm just too I'm just not mobile anymore, man. I'm not. I just, uh, the knees don't work as like they used to. The ankles are stiff. Uh, the belly, I look kind of like a cap, like a lowercase b. If you look like, if you look at the definition of an older Cuban man in a dictionary, it would yeah. look like that, like a lowercase b, just a stick and then the belly. That's that's pretty much what I'm looking like. Um, so on to the canes. Anyway, I think to me, like you said, the story to me is, is the dominance of the line of scrimmage. And it's easy to point to the rushing total 
to say, wow, they were really dominating tempo up front, but they had zero pressures and zero sacks given up against TVD in this game. That to me is just as equally impressive uh, as a rushing number because you're you're going to have a pressure here and there, no matter who you're playing. They had pressure against uh, Bethune Cookman, but they they've actually improved week to week. And and what is their strength on the offensive line, which is pass protection, which is incredible to see. And they're going to need that coming up into the ACC schedule because now they're going to be facing real pass rushers, real defensive lines, and real challenges up front. And they're going to need that. Uh, the continued evolution of the run game in an air raid offense, to me, is is uh, fantastic. This is what I think Rhett Lashley envisioned when he took over as offensive coordinator here in Miami. He talked about a power spread. And you're really seeing that with Shannon Dawson now. They are really attacking people up front. And it's not just zone schemes. They are pulling, they are running power schemes, they are running traps, and they're being physical at the line of scrimmage. And they're getting these linemen, which I have not seen in Miami in a very long time, actually get their ass upfield, pull, and turn up to the second level and continue blocking. I think uh, the entire team, not just the offensive linemen, but also on on you know runs, runs to the edges and on quick screens, you're seeing receivers do a great job blocking as well and creating opportunities for their teammates. So to me... Dominance up front uh, on both sides of the football is, is the story, and the message was sent. Uh, you know, it was early, early on. It was a little sloppy, but then after that, the team settled in. You know, it was rough conditions, but they were able to get it together and and take care of business as they should have. Carlos, the thing that impressed me the most, and and again, I didn't watch the whole game live because I was uh, writing an FSU Clemson column right after that game ended at at, at around three thirty four o'clock. But uh, the thing that was impressive to me is they were playing in these wet conditions. And defensively, I'm looking at the the PFF numbers right now. Three missed tackles. Yep. Um, I I you know this has to be one of the best tackling teams I've seen at Miami in decades. Uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes. And look, I know Temple doesn't have a bunch of speed burners and guys that create issues, but outside of one passing breakdown with Takori Couch, where he gave up you know a big play early in that game, and, and Temple was able to move down the field. Um, there's not a lot of blown coverages. There's not a lot of missed tackles. And to me, that's a story. Miami's defense through these first four games has really impressed me. I thought that was going to be the yep. area where they were going to struggle because, frankly, in terms of personnel, it was a lot of the same guys that were coming back. Yes, they got Jaden Davis. Um, yes, they picked up a couple, uh, you know, big-time freshmen like Ruben Bain, et cetera. But, you know, for the most part, it was about getting these guys simply to play better than they did a year ago, and they have. And three missed tackles in this game – I haven't done all the research statistically. I spent a lot of time doing stats this week uh, during the bye week, but I haven't gotten around to missed tackles, and I want to do that for the ACC just to see where Miami ranks. I think they have to have the fewest missed tackles in the league, if I'm being honest. I mean, three in the, in the Temple game. Yeah. I, I know there was another one earlier this year. I think it was like five. Uh, and I, I just go back to, man. Yeah, it's nowhere near the double digits under Manny Diaz. No, like I, you just go back and you think of the Michigan State game, right? And 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 Walker, the running back, who's now with the Seattle Seahawks and on my fantasy team, like he that game alone, they had thirty missed tackles, and, and like it's twenty nine of them were on him. Yeah, like it's just it's just an entirely different mentality. Uh, and 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 look, both of these coordinators deserve a lot of praise for the turnaround that they've done. Miami is one of the most improved teams in the country. They're def they're yeah. definitely the most improved team in the ACC, but. Uh, to me, basic things, tackling, blocking, protecting the quarterback, hanging on to the football, those are things that we didn't see enough of consistently. And after four games this year, year two under Mario, it, they just look like a different organization altogether. Yeah, and you know what? Comparing them to last year, I think, is probably not the right comparison 
because it was Mario's first year and he was coming in. Mean, like we were talking about, he was ripping up the floor, getting to the foundation, getting down to the studs, getting everything out of the way, made his first coordinator hires that didn't work out. So there was a lot of things that didn't go well. Really, year two also is the year that most Hurricane coaches and new ones that take over see their biggest leap in terms of wins. You saw that with Al Golden. You saw that with Randy Shannon. You saw that with Mark Richt, Manny Diaz. Um, so I think the comparison to Manny's last year, where the team ended up 7-5 and five and having so many close losses after TVD took over for De'Ara King, that Michigan State game that went to hell in the fourth quarter, all those games that that turned on you know certain certain plays, uh, certain events, just slid the other in the other team's direction. I think what you're seeing is the difference because the schemes are very similar to what they were running back with with that team with Manny Diaz. Uh, the difference on defense is they are disciplined, they are in the right gaps, they are not being fooled, and when they get to the football, they're making contact and bringing the runner down. They're not missing tackles. They're in the right spots. And on offense, they're able to run the football. And, and they're not making mistakes along the offensive line in terms of passing off rushes and pass protection. They're they're being physical at the line of scrimmage and moving people like they did under, under Rhett Lashley. So those two small changes on those sides of the ball, aside from what I think is a, a little bit of an influx in talent, you know, not a, a huge amount, but it's gotten a lot, a little bit better than it was back then. Yeah. Um, and will continue to do so as these kids develop, the younger guys, has made all the difference between a team that could have been seven and five, six and six, like one of those Manny Diaz teams, to now we're looking at, you know, nine and three is realistic. Can they get to 10 and two? Can they get to 11 and one? And, you know, is there a higher ceiling for this team as they continue to grow and develop? So far, it's trending that way. Now is a real test when they get into the ACC. Can they continue that development against a better competition? You know what they are, Carlos? They're fundamentally sound. Yes. And 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 that's what they weren't for a long time. Like, like you can just go back and say, man, how many teams just basic things that they can't get right? Um, and and that's what they are now. I just looked up the total number of missed tackles for the season, 22 for the entire season. They had 30 in that and Michigan. Michigan State yeah, that's incredible. Man. I mean, four four games. Uh, that's an average of a little over five missed tackles a game, five and a half missed tackles a game. That is stellar. I I, I want to. I'm gonna. I, I honestly want to pause the podcast and just go through the ACC and just see what everybody else's is, just to sort of compare. And but, it speaks to the coaching, right? It speaks yeah. to these guys are not only coaching these kids well because I'm sure you know Kevin Steele knows what he's doing. You know Josh Gaddis, as much hate as he's gotten, knows what he's doing. He's at Maryland doing well. Um. Yes. Whatever. Um. But the thing is, I think like we were discussing last year during the pod, even before this season. I think a lot of these guys on the staff last year came in expecting these guys to listen to them mm-hmm. and thinking you need to listen to me and not trying to develop a, a relationship or create that, you know, this is why we do these things and and not creating that trust in the system that this year's staff has. I think Gidry and Dawson have a good, done a good job of not only implementing their system, but communicating it to the players and getting the players to buy in because you don't get these kinds of results unless the players are bought in 100%. and believe in what they're doing. Absolutely. By the way, I looked up Florida State, 45 missed tackles for the Seminoles. So, and that's the same amount of games, four games, 45 missed tackles, 33 for Clemson. Both of those defenses are, are you know, they've got good players on them. Uh, and some people would tell you they're more talented than Miami's defense. Yet, again, the fundamentals, just tackling. Miami is better than both of those teams in the conference. All right. Um, let's Let's get into the rest of the ACC because really – that's the interesting part here. Like I said earlier, um, six undefeated teams in this conference. We're going to get some good ideas this week of who's who's legit and who's not. By the way, did you get the Google sheet I sent you with those those numbers? Yes. 
Okay, I've got so it up in front of me. You got it in front of you. So, um, so right. now on top of everything else, you're sending me homework. With I, I just can't believe it. But that's well, fine. it's it's my research. It's my I don't research. get I'm I don't get a pickle. I don't get a ball. I don't get a paycheck. I don't get a patalito. <laughs> I get homework. That's fine. Well, listen, the Canes are off. We've mentioned that. But there are some interesting games to watch if you're like, well, what do I do this Saturday? Who do I turn, tune in to watch? Well, I would listen, tell first you. Of all, first of all, let's let's say this, Manny. Yes. If you're a college football fan and you're asking yourself, <laughs> well, what can I watch this Saturday? You're not a college football fan. I will watch uh, Abilene Christian versus uh, Old Dominion <laughs> if I have to, if that's the only college football game. It's college football, bro. Exactly. Yes, you should be watching. And look, there's some there's going to be some games that, that give us some 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 information this week. I'm just going to share a couple of them. Number one, you got Clemson going to Syracuse. I know Clemson is two and two. Syracuse is unbeaten. They're one of those six unbeaten teams. Um, they're playing. The Orange are very interesting because they, they've gotten to this point basically with Garrett Schrader, their quarterback. Uh, playing his ass off. Aronde Gadsden, uh, who of course played for the Dolphins, his son uh, was a preseason, you know, all ACC selection at tight end, one of the best tight ends in the country. He's out for the year uh, with a season uh, ending uh, foot injury. And so uh, they've, you know, Syracuse, look, they, they haven't beaten a bunch of world beaters, uh, but, you know, the Colgate 65, nothing. They beat Western Michigan by 41. They won on the road at Purdue by 15 and they just beat Army last weekend. So not exactly. I mean, the strength of schedule, 119th for the Orange. But look, this is a very important game for Clemson because say what you will about the Tigers and, and this and that. Uh, they are 0-2 in the ACC, but. They run the table. They finish six and two in the ACC and win the, the rest of their games. They could certainly be in the argument to make the ACC championship game, right? Uh, Miami's got some tough games left. You don't know that you know which ones Miami's going to lose here. You got North Carolina. You got Florida State on the road. You got Clemson coming to town. So you know tiebreakers. Like we didn't have to worry about this stuff before Carlos, right? Because Miami was in the coastal. No, it was just like just win the coastal. You get in there. Now it's like, no, being one of the top two teams, when you combine everybody together, that makes things a little bit harder. That makes these tiebreakers interesting. And so Syracuse, like, yeah, to it's me, very Premier League now. Where I feel like I'm in Ted Lasso. Yes, it is very Premier League. And and I'll say this, like, um, I think we're going to see a team like uh, Syracuse probably get knocked off this week. They're probably going to lose to Clemson at home, even though they've always somehow, for, for whatever reason, always played Clemson tough. Um, you know, this is one of those games where like, okay, well, there goes one on one of the uh, six unbeatens, right? Um, some other games to talk about. Uh, you got Louisville, who's unbeaten at 4-0, right? And they've got the easiest schedule of anybody in the ACC. They don't have to face Clemson or Florida State. They do have to come to Miami. But if you look at it, Louisville might not lose very many games this season in the ACC. Um they uh, are playing at NC State, who is three and one. NC State's offense hasn't looked great, um, but that is it. I think it's a Friday night kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. Carlos, that's a that's a huge game because if you're Miami and you're at the end of the year and you're like, man, we've got two ACC losses, you don't you want to have the tiebreaker over Louisville and Louisville. Like yeah. I said, they they may be a team that only loses one ACC game all year. Um, you know, they might only lose to Miami. You know, they've got Duke at home. They're on the road at Pitt. They're on the road at NC State this week. But the rest of the schedule, I mean, Virginia Tech is terrible. Virginia is terrible. Um, it's a situation where Louisville's already beaten Georgia Tech, who's got a pretty good offense. They've beaten Boston College. They've got their 2-0 in the conference. So um, this is an important game. And, and if I'm a Miami fan, I'm probably rooting for NC State this week. 
Yeah, absolutely, because you got both of them on the schedule, and you figure uh, NC State's probably going to lose to Carolina. It'll give them a second ACC loss. Mm -hmm. So you've got the advantage there. You're going to try – if Miami beats them, obviously, it'll knock them all, all the way out of the ACC race. So you want some additional help to make sure that uh, that Louisville doesn't sneak in there with a, as a one-loss team into the ACC championship, even though you beat them head-to-head. -head. So you want to make sure you get that done. Um, you know, to me, it's interesting how how well Louisville is playing, especially on offense, with the Garden Snake, Jake Plummer's uh, little yeah. son. The garden yes. snake, I'm going to call him. So um, it, Louisville's got a really good explosive offense. I think they're they're good, but I don't know they've been tested yet. Syracuse is the same thing. I mean, their strength of schedule, I think, is the worst at this point to this point in the season of the ACC teams that are undefeated. Um, second, so, second worst. Second worst. Okay, so they're, they're right up there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's going to be an interesting test with them and Clemson this weekend. I think what people tend to overlook, yes, Clemson has two losses. It's made them human. Means they're a decent football team. They're not a great football team this season. That doesn't mean they can't go ten and two or nine and three. I think the one thing that people are overlooking is they lost to two ranked teams that are playing very well right now in Florida State and Duke. They didn't lose to any crappy opponents. And their their strength of schedule right now to this point is thirty seventh in the country, which is impressive. Uh, not a lot of teams have a high strength of schedule coming in, especially the top teams coming into this point in the season. Um, Georgia Tech, as you as you stated, you know they've got a high powered offense, but they're, to me their defense. It's terrible, especially in the in the run game, and I don't think that's gonna gonna do them any favors moving forward in the schedule. Um, overall, in terms of the ACC race, it's Miami, uh, it's it's FSU. You know, if Syracuse pulls the upset against Clemson, Syracuse and Duke, uh, I think those are the front runners to probably make the ACC championship game. I don't know that Louisville has enough; they're gonna have to face Miami, uh, and I think Miami beats Louisville, but we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But it's interesting to see that there's a lot of teams in play. And like I said, like a Premier League season, you never how, you never know how it's going to shake up. You're playing for one or two just to get in the title game. Yeah, North Carolina is the other one you didn't mention. They're That's undefeated right. uh, for the first time, I think, since 1997. 1-0 in the conference because they went to Pittsburgh and basically kicked, kicked Pittsburgh's ass. Uh, they're ranked 15th in the country. They're the second highest ranked uh, team in the conference in terms of the AP poll. Uh, I think ESPN has them 19th in the power index. Uh, Miami is 15th in the power index. Clemson 17th. FSU is 10th. Um, Syracuse is 20th, Louisville 23rd, and Duke 28th. Duke, of course, has the interesting game with North Car uh, with uh, Notre Dame this week, uh, who's coming off that loss to Ohio State at home. Notre Dame's 11th in the power next, but that's not an ACC game. So even if Duke gets their uh, asses kicked in that game, like some people think will happen uh, Saturday night, I think, uh, you know, they, they can obviously bounce back. And look, Duke has, has a rough road. Uh, they got to play at Florida State. They got to play at Louisville. They got to play at North Carolina. They don't have the Hurricanes on the schedule, but I think of the six undefeated teams, you say, who's got the toughest road? I think it's probably Duke. Carolina has to come here, uh, actually host. They get to host Miami. Uh, they got to go on the road at Georgia Tech, and they've got Duke at home, and then Clemson on the road before they end the season at NC State. Um, it, Carlos, I don't know, man. Like We're only four games in. There's a lot of games left to be played. But I think the toughest challenger for Miami to get to the conference championship game is going to end up being North Carolina. Tougher than Florida State? I mean, I'm sort of already counting Florida State as, as having the easiest road just because Florida – like I'm talking about the, being one of the top two teams. I'm talking about getting okay. the top two spots. I think Florida – look, Florida State has Syracuse, Duke, and Miami at home, and their road games are at Wake Forest, at Pittsburgh – um, and at Florida, that Florida doesn't count like it's, you know, that that could potentially knock them out of the, the playoff. But in terms of the ACC race, 
Um, I mean, they've they've got everybody that that matters coming to their place. And Wake Forest looked pretty terrible uh, in yeah. losing to Georgia Tech this past weekend. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's offense is horrendous. They don't have a quarterback right now, it feels like. Um, and that's a road game. So to me, Florida State is so well positioned to win, you know, in terms of the regular season. Uh, Miami, you know, hosting Miami in week 11. Um, I, I, so I think, you know, I, I sort of look at it, okay, right now Florida State's the favorite, right, to have the best record at the end of the season. Well, who gets the second spot? Is it Miami? Is it North Carolina? Is it Duke? Is it, you know, Louisville or Syracuse? Is it one of which of those six teams or could Clemson sneak their way back in? Um, and 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 I think, you know, right now, I would tell you the toughest competition for Miami is probably North Carolina because you got to go play that game at North Carolina in a few weeks. And uh, if Miami doesn't win on the road in Chapel Hill, I look at North Carolina and I say, well, they get Duke at home. They got to play on the road at Clemson. They got to play on the road at NC State. Those last two road games will be interesting. But, my, you know, you got you got to beat North Carolina head to head. You got to go on the road and win that game, I think, to to, you know, if both teams happen to finish with two losses. I, I could see Carolina getting in ahead of Miami if they have the tiebreaker. Well, the good news for the Hurricanes is they have three teams that uh, are, are undefeated on their schedule right now that that could be an issue down the road, depending on how many ACC losses they have in Carolina, Louisville, and Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, Clemson can always climb back in the race if they finish the season undefeated, they, if, they, if they went out. So at least the the advantage is that Miami's destiny, ha- they have their destiny in their own hands. At the end of the, at, at the end of the season, when Miami looks back, if they didn't make the ACC title game, it's not going to be because they got a bad break because someone else won a tiebreaker. It's because they had the opportunity in front of them and they they didn't take advantage. So yeah. they they have the onus to win. If they win, they're in. If they don't, if they fail, if they don't succeed to get to the ACC championship, they have nobody else to blame but themselves. Agreed. Uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting, man. It's so weird to look at this race and not have divisions for me. I don't know about you, but I look at it. I'm just I, like, I just, to me, I'm, I'm just so happy to get rid of the coastal because I don't have to hear that. Uh, just win the coastal again. Yeah. You know, right. win the coastal. We're exactly. still in the coastal race. We've got three losses, but we're in the race for the coastal. I'm like, bro, yep. please get me out of here. I mentioned earlier some of the improvements, and, I, and I'm glad you have some of these numbers in front of you, the offensive and defensive analytics that I sent you. Uh, I did differential, like, uh, for every ACC team, you know, in terms of improvement uh, and, and you know, slipping back and so forth. Uh, Miami's averaging 43.8 points per game offensively this season. That's a 20-point improvement, the most in the ACC. Uh, two other teams or three other teams that have had gigantic jumps in terms of scoring. Uh, Georgia Tech, they're up close to 17 points or 34 points a game. Uh, of course, that's Miami's next uh, ACC game uh, next week. Uh, Louisville's up over 16 points a game. They're averaging 43 points a game. They're in the top 10 nationally. And then Syracuse uh, is up to 44 points a game. Uh, it's a 16, almost 17 point improvement. Those are the three most improved offenses in the ACC in terms of scoring. And then in terms of yardage, nobody, you know, nobody comes close to Miami over three yards per play more nationally than, uh, you know, than they than they were a year ago. They averaged five point three, four yards a a play, 89th in the country. Miami's third right now in yards per play on offense. That's I mean, three, almost three full yards of an improvement. Um, The the next best uh, improvement is Louisville in the conference over two yards, Um, you know, running the football. Hurricanes right now third in yards per carry. I mean, they were 95th a year ago. It's, some of this that's stuff. That's the big improvement is. Yeah, I mean that's it's ridiculous. And then you look at yards per attempt passing, um, a 
uh, yard per attempt improvement in terms of passing. They're, Miami's averaging 10.4 yards uh, an attempt now. That's ninth in, in the country. They were 83rd a year ago. The only team that's doing better is Louisville. They're third nationally, and they've they've improved three over three point nine uh, yards per attempt. So, and I mean, uh, this is exactly what the what we're seeing in the numbers is exactly what we talked about yep. since last season. If Miami was able to run the football, when they're able to run the football, the passing game becomes more explosive and more efficient. You saw it against Temple. TVD yep. didn't have to throw the ball a lot to get three touchdown passes, right? He didn't have to throw the ball around a lot or two to whatever he got. He didn't have to throw the ball a lot to get you know over two hundred yards passing. When that run game is efficient, you're going to get explosive plays because the defense has to react to that run game. You're also putting yourself in more manageable third down situations and third and five or less because you're moving the chains and you're grinding it out. And now the defenses have to be more balanced in their approach. They just can't pin their ears back and bring pressure at the quarterback. Now they have to be worrying about the run game as well. So it creates more opportunities for the offense coordinator to be more creative and to do what he needs to do. Because if you have half of your offense taken out, you know, you're pretty limited in terms of what you can do. Uh, and if teams know all you're going to do is throw the football, they're going to defend against that and throw the kitchen sink at you in terms of blitzes, and it's not going to be as easy to move the football. Now, once you're playing one-on-one on the outside and teams have to commit uh, you know, bodies to the box, now you can throw those deep balls down the sideline. Now you can find matchup problems for the defense because you not only have the time to do it because these bodies are committing to the run game and have to respect it, but now the backside is on an island and you can take advantage of the mismatches. Um. You know, people sometimes say, well, who's Miami played, right? Like, where, well, I, I looked at uh, ESPN's defensive efficiency numbers, okay? Uh, Miami of Ohio ranks 54th nationally, so that's a top 60 defense. Texas A&M is 38th. Uh, Temple, one of the worst in the country, 124th. So when people say, hey, who has Miami done this against? Well, they've done it against two uh, top 60 defenses in Miami and Ohio and Texas A&M. They put up numbers against those guys. Uh, Florida State, by the way, yes, they just came off a win over Clemson. Clemson's got the seventh best uh, defensive efficiency in the country. But Boston College ranks 130th. Southern Miss, uh, who they beat and scored 61 points against, that they rank 113th. And LSU, who is normally excellent in defense and certainly one of the most talented teams in the country, LSU ranks 97th in defensive efficiency right now, um, according to ESPN's analytics. So, you know, when people try to clown you and say, hey, these these Miami numbers, they're phony. Who have they played? Uh, they played two top 60 defenses, which is something Florida State can't say. They've only played one. And they threw up a 300-yard rushing game against a Division One opponent, uh, you know, a group of fives team on the road in terrible conditions. So that's the number you expect them to throw up against, you know, Bethune-Cookman. They did it against Temple. And, and that's an improvement week over week in terms of what they're doing on the offensive end. So, and, you know, what you really want to see with this team is not necessarily huge gaudy numbers. You want to see week to week improvement and consistency and continue to fix the little things to continue to grow as an offense. And that's what you want to do is be better week to week. And I think you've seen that throughout the the first four games, which to me is, has been impressive. On the other side of the football and defense, which again is the area I'm most imp- impressed with, with, with Miami's improvement, uh, they're giving up four, 14 fewer points per game, which is the biggest improvement in the ACC. Miami uh, ranks 13th in scoring defense, 12.5 points per game. Um, in terms of uh, total uh, defense and, and you know yards per play, uh, they're giving up uh, 1.29 yards fewer per play. They rank 28th, 4, uh, 4.63 yards per, per offensive play for the other team. 
that I believe is the second biggest improvement. Duke is the one that has the most improved defense in the league. Uh, they actually ranked fifth in yards per play allowed, 4.11. So tremendous job by Mike Elko. When people talk about where Duke's improved, it's that side of the football. They ranked 62nd a year ago. And then on rushing defense, nobody has improved more than Miami. Uh, they rank third right now in yards per carry allowed, 1.92 yards allowed per rush. Uh, that two-yard two improvement, Miami was 63rd on run defense a year ago when it came to that. Uh, North Carolina has improved uh, substantially as well, but they're 62nd in the league. Um, in terms of pass defense, uh, Miami, one of the worst, the worst in the league last year, allowing 8.3 yards per pass attempt. They've lowered that number by 1.7 yards. Not the biggest improvement in the league, but the second biggest improve, or yeah, the second biggest improvement behind Duke. Again, Mike Elko's team, only 4.4 yards per attempt allowed through the air. That's first in the country. So when you look at this defense, Carlos, in terms of improvement, which which of those numbers that I just went over impress you the most? Well, I think stopping the run to me is very impressive. And I think they, they've had an issue with that for a long time. Um, they've done a great job improving that. And that, like, again, conversely, like we were talking about on the offensive end, when you're stopping the other team's running attack, that means you're putting them in third and long situations. What makes it easier on your pass defense, because you can bring pressure, you can do different things to disrupt the quarterback and disrupt the passing game, which helps you on the back end. Last year, Miami had to play you know, very vanilla in terms of coverages, in terms of blitz schemes. They didn't blitz very often. They played a lot of cover three, cover two, and it just, they got they got carved apart in the secondary. And I think this year you're seeing, there's a lot of mixing of, of you know, they're bringing pressure, but they're also dropping defensive ends. They're mixing where they bring the pressures from. They're, they're running not only man, but zone blitzes. So there's a lot of different things that they're able to do as a result of them stopping the run, putting them in, in obvious passing situations and taking advantage of that with their front. Yeah. Um, it's been a tremendous improvement. By the way, when people say, who have, who's Miami done this against? Uh, Miami of Ohio ranks 48th in offensive efficiency. Uh, it's a top 50 offense. Texas A&M ranks 16th in offensive efficiency. Temple is 94th. So, yes, maybe not a great team there. But, the, again, those two wins, when people knock Miami of Ohio and Texas A&M, just say, hey, uh, go look at where those teams are ranked in terms of efficiency, according to ESPN Analytics. All right, Carlos, um, I want to get into the freshman conversation a little bit because obviously with with some injuries here early in the year, Miami's been able to play some freshmen. In fact, that they've had some blowouts has certainly helped. Um, I, I spent some time looking these numbers up uh, a little while ago this morning. Um, in terms of snap counts for the Hurricanes, I counted 848 snaps on offense or defense for the true freshman. Uh, on this team, six starts between uh, Francis Mawigo and Ruben Bain, the two guys who um, have the starts for the Hurricanes. Uh, the 848 snaps are the most in the ACC. Uh, Clemson, who also signed 26 uh, freshmen in their most recent recruiting class, which finished behind Miami, according to the 247 composite. They've got 760 snaps. They've played 22 of the 26 players they signed. Miami has played 17 of the 26 players they've signed. So, um, you know, when you talk about selling the program, right, and selling a vision and Mario promising guys playing time, I think it's important to, to back up that uh, that 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 talk, right? Absolutely. And I don't think it's not it's not just about the freshman playing, but they're they're playing well. So they're rotational guys that are making impact and and you could see their impact on the field, especially with a guy like Ruben Bain, 
like Francis Memogoa, you're seeing these guys step on the field and and be key parts of this football team, not just, hey, get a couple snaps here and there to say that we played you. Yeah, uh, Florida State has played. They signed 19 uh, freshmen, actually 17 freshmen, but two of them, two of the 19 were Juco guys. Uh, Florida State's played 16 of those 19 guys on offense or defense. But the reality is they don't have any starts and the, and the total of 322, 326 snaps for those those uh, 19 players that they signed this past season does not come close to Miami's total. So Miami is playing more freshmen than both Florida State and Clemson. When you look individually at some of the Miami guys, um, obviously I mentioned Maui Goa and Bain. Riley Williams is up over 100 snaps uh, at the and tight Mark end Fletcher. position. Mark yeah, Fletcher. Mark- and, and the thing about the freshmen snaps. that are playing is they pop on tape also. You see them immediately yep. when they're on there. Yeah, Damari Brown's another one. He's played 70 snaps. And what I like here is I I looked up the special teams snaps, Carlos, because, you know, to me, that was old school, right? Like, when when did you see the great freshman? I remember Sean Taylor and Antro Roll and those guys running down on on, uh, special teams and getting a lot of work there. Uh, Damari Brown's got 38 snaps on special teams. Francis Maligo is actually on, I think, on on the field goal and, and extra point team. He's got 27 snaps. Bobby Washington, the linebacker, 21 snaps. Raul Aguirre, 20 uh, Malik Bryant, 15, those linebackers, those three linebackers. So it's good to see that Mario is sort of, you know, keeping his word. The only freshmen who haven't seen uh, any snaps, whether special teams or on offense or defense, Frankie Tinelau, Antonio Tripp, two offensive linemen, uh, Collins Achampong, the defensive lineman. Those are the only guys, Three, only three out of the 26. Everybody else that they signed, including a couple of Juco guys, have seen the field in some capacity. Yeah, and those those three guys that aren't playing is probably an issue of body development, right? Like we saw with Cyrus Moss, they still need to fill out. They still need to get bigger. Their bodies just aren't ready for uh, live action yet at this level, but they will be, and that's not a knock on them. So I just think the the Mario did a better job this year of bringing in talent that was ready to plug and play um, in terms of physicality, in terms of their build, and and uh, that they're coachable guys because you're seeing them take to it and and really jump into the fray and not miss a beat. All right, I wanted to get to, to uh, some mailbag questions. Um, you know, I sent this out earlier this morning. Um, <laughs> this one's from Ron Mexico, 718. Here we go. I love Ron Mexico. Rampage Kane, as he's known on the Twitterverse. Where are the tight ends? Uh, are you worried at all, Carlos, that there hasn't been enough production per se from, from that position? Um, I mean, so far, it hasn't been concerning just because of the amount of production they're getting from the receivers. Right. Uh specifically the first three receivers and Colby Young, Restrepo, and uh and Jacoby George. But at some point, you know, they're not they're gonna need a tight end to be more than just a battering ram. And it's either going to be Riley Williams or if Jaleel Skinner finally gets his head on straight and can get on the field, it's gonna be him that are threats in the passing game because that will open up an additional dimension for this offense, specifically in the middle of the field, which I think is the one thing that's lacking. So if they want to take their offense to the next level, if they want to be in that 40-point range come the end of the season and be around 500 yards, having a tight end that's effective in the passing game doesn't have to be a dominant tight end. It's just to be a threat and be effective. Somebody you can get three to 500 yards out of. Um, if you're counting at home, four catches for the tight end so far this year. Cam McCormick's got two for 28 yards. Uh, Riley Williams, one for 18. And Jaleel Skinner, one for nine. And, so- and funny stat, stat on McCormick. That is one yard for every year he's been in college. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think that kid's tired of that joke already or what? Oh, well, I'm sure he's tired all the time. He's old as hell. 
<laughs> this is from Andrew V underscore 17 on Twitter. Andrew, a loyal listener. Do you think there's a good chance we get Kitchens, Nigelique, Dean, and Arroyo back for the Georgia Tech game? Mesador was spotted in a walking boot, so he's probably going to be out for at least a few more weeks. Look, uh, Andrew, I can't tell you. I Look, I think it was smart for Mario to keep guys like Cam, Mesador, um, you know, Nigelique, Dean, all these guys that are he, – he's slow playing them because you haven't gotten to the meat of the schedule. And if we're being honest, uh, I think Miami could probably still beat Georgia Tech without those guys. It wouldn't be easy. Uh, Georgia Tech's got a good offense, and, and we'll talk more about them next week when we start to preview that game. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a make or break for any of those guys. And I would much rather they have all the time they need to completely heal than to be rushed back early. And I think that's one thing we've seen consistently from Mario, whether it's spring football, whether it's fall practice, he is not in a race to get people back from injury. And I think in years past, that's obviously happened here because Miami hasn't been very deep. Mario has no problem playing freshmen. He has no problem playing transfers, guys that, that are new to the system and trusting them. And, and he hasn't been burned by it yet as far as this season is concerned. Not only that, but here's a little hot take for you. I think because of the way Georgia Tech plays and what their deficiencies are, I think Miami's going to beat Georgia Tech worse than they beat Temple. There's a hot take for you. Whoa, whoa. Settle down over there. Um, yeah, yeah. That's for all you in the comments saying I'm not a Canes fan. I'm just giving you facts, man. When the facts align and the stars align and it's time for me to be a homer, I'm a homer. Otherwise, I'm, I'm objective. All right. Marcus Williams, Money Kane. He asked the same questions. Uh, any word on the injured guys returning? Will we see Citizen or Zion this year? Uh, Mario, as far as Citizen is concerned, when I sat down with Mario and Charlotte for uh, ACC Media Days, he told me the midway point of the season for both of these guys, um, you know, in terms of when he was projecting himself and went to get these guys back. So I, I think there's a chance that we will see them this year. But I would also tell you, I don't think you need Zion on this team. Not the way that you're, you know, you're sort of getting production from your starting five. Um, you know, maybe this is a redshirt year for Zion. He, he's able to, you know, fully recover from the surgery, get strength back into the knee. And then with Citizen, um, I mean, I would only bring him back if you have an injury, a major injury to the running game. This week, A.J. Allen didn't even get in the game for Miami. Yeah. So um, you are deep and you can you can take your time with with getting these guys on the field. The injury to Citizen, I was told when it first happened two years that he would probably miss two seasons. Um, I know there's been speculation he's going to come back, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I, I think if you bring him back this year, maybe you bring him back and still redshirt him. Right. Get the medical redshirt for last year and, and maybe only play him four year four four games not four years <laughs> for, for citizen. All right. This is from uh, outside of FS. Uh, this is from gem 0790 he says outside of FSU. What game do you believe will be the most important for the program to win? I'm personally looking at North Carolina and Clemson. What do you say, Carlos? Um, I think both of those games are very important. I think in addition to that, like we discussed earlier, beating Louisville is going to be very important for positioning in terms of finishing in the final two. Yeah. But I think to get that monkey off our back to finally, after four straight losses to North Carolina, that would be an amazing win. And of course, finally beating a Clemson program, although they're down, that has been so dominant in the ACC for the last decade and who has been straight smashing the Hurricanes uh, ever since Dabo took over. 
I think would be amazing as well. But I think first and foremost, they have to beat North Carolina on the road because that shows that this team is for real. That shows that they're ready to compete and beat and get this this Mac Brown monkey off our back. This Mac Brown-sized monkey. God, that guy annoys me. Yeah, I don't know. Most important. I don't know if you can pick one as most important. I think FSU is always the most important right. game. Um, because it, it, you know, recruiting wise, you have some head to head battles there. Uh, so f- to me, you say, which one do you put the most value on? It's Florida state, but I think beating Clemson and North Carolina, getting, uh, getting both of those teams beat in some capacity, not getting embarrassed by Clemson, right? Like those are all important factors when it comes to the future of the program, you need to prove that you can beat those teams and at the very least stay on the field, uh, with a team like Clemson. So, uh, this yeah. is the year. This is the year. If you're a Miami fan, that you want to see them beat both of them. Yeah, and I think beating Carolina will be the springboard that leads you into having the confidence to take down Clemson and Florida State. Um, and, and I mean, it's not just it's not just Clemson that's beat us down. Remember that that North Carolina game where they rushed for yeah. nineteen thousand yards in one game, and, and and that's it's been embarrassing against North Carolina at times as well. Uh, Nordy Kane. Uh you know, who's always watching the show and and messaging us as well, was asking about injuries. Um, Why is the injury news updates being held so close to the vest this year? Competitive advantage, respect for the players. Uh, He also wants to know about Zion Nelson. He says he hopes the team gets healthy for ACC play. Uh, I I think part of the, you know, this is just the way it is in college football. You know, they, they withhold this information as much as they can. They, they, they don't want the other teams to know whether or not somebody's coming back. So they've got to, prepare for them either way. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. You know, they can sit there and, and hide behind, behind the uh, HIPAA laws and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is uh, when coaches want you to know somebody's out or injured uh, because it affects them and their and the way they can do their job, they'll let you know. When they don't want you to know uh, because it helps them, they're not going to let you know. And they're going to try to keep it as close to the vest as possible. So, to me, it's all uh, it's whatever edge get, they think they get out of uh, that. It's like you listen. Information it's it's, getting it's out. a need to know basis, right? If there's an advantage to you disclosing that information, then you do it. If there's not an advantage, then you don't disclose it. If there is an advantage in creating a mystery around yeah. the information, that's even better because you let people's imagination run wild and you don't let them deal in the facts. Uh, like my wife, I tell her, yes, I mean, I'm coming home for lunch, just gonna make a sandwich, relax for a little bit, and then go back to work. Uh, and I'm definitely not playing Madden on the PlayStation, right? I'm not doing that. Nobody <laughs> said I was. So those are just things you do to get an advantage. Yeah, whatever whatever way you can play it, right, Carlos? Absolutely. Uh, not not Madden. I mean, you know, the, the advantage game is what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes, the advantage game. Okay. I got you. Don't, got don't you. you sell me down the river, man. Carlos, that's it. That's it for the show. I, I don't have much more. We have a bye week this weekend for the for the Canes. I'm probably going to Legoland with my uh, with my youngest Olivia. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, I, I, my wife is trying to convince me not to take her. She says, you know, it's 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 kind of a, a quick turnaround. Go up there Saturday, come back Sunday. So we'll see. We'll see whether or not I end up making the trip. But I will be watching college football in some capacity, even if it's just score updates on my phone. I want to see what happens. I'm really interested in that. Uh, NC State Louisville game because uh, Louisville yeah. to me is is they've got the easiest path to get to the ACC championship game. I think Miami needs NC State there to win. Well, I'm interested in that. Of course, the, the Clemson Syracuse game. Let's see how that turns out. Yep, Carlos, thanks for coming on. That's going to wrap it up for the Wide Ride Podcast. Make sure you follow Carlos and his uh, show at the MIA All Day Pod. I know Raul recently took over one of your episodes. Did he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I just couldn't get to uh 
to record. So apparently this guy hacked my stuff. I asked him, Hey, if you would want, if you would want to, you know, why don't you come on the show and do it yourself? And he had already hacked my stuff and, and jumped on. Cause the minute I mentioned I was too busy this week to do a pod, he, he took it upon himself mm. to grab the mic and spit some hot bars. Okay. Well, make sure you check it out. Raul is always entertaining. Whether you hear Raul or Carlos, both of them are very entertaining. I enjoy, He's more entertaining uh, than I am, but that's fine. Uh, we do have to get rolled together uh, with us at some point for some beers. That, I would enjoy that for sure. I don't think you would. All right. <laughs> Carlos, thanks for coming on. That wraps it up for this week's Wide Right episode. We will be back next week. Peace.